0: Good to see you, man. <laughs> All right, praise the Lord. Happy 4th of July, everybody. A round of applause for Ron here. He's got the, the, the flag shirt on. Great job with that. Uh, what else? Chris's birthday, to embarrass Chris. Chris's birthday. Oh, you have you have uh, 4th of July socks on. Good. Praise the Lord. Oh, for family, so something really big happened in our church this last week. A lot of you know the Hawkersmiths and little Jason, who's almost two years old, he sometimes like walks around during the sermon, you know the kid. Uh, he's been in their foster care for two, almost two years. like a couple of days out of the hospital, they fostered him, and just this last week, praise the Lord, they've been waiting for an adoption. So the judge has ruled he is adopted. The Hawkersmiths uh, have Jason. so praise the Lord. So right here. Next week, we will be dedicating him to the Lord. It will be a wonderful Sunday. I will try not to cry the whole time. Uh, It's just a testament to like their waiting and patience. And so praise the Lord for that. Actually, next week as well, we'll be sending out the Alaska team. My wife and I are leading uh, a trip to Alaska uh, with all the congregations. And so that's next week as well. But this week, I want to talk to you about uh, sort of a bizarre topic. Because last week was so heavy, like we talked about uh, greed and the temptations of greed and the warnings that the book of Proverbs gives us against greed. And so this week, it's a very lightweight topic, a fun topic. We're going to talk about how to enjoy life. Like for real, that's the topic for today. We're going to look at Proverbs and see how does the Lord teach us to enjoy life? I was talking with a friend this week who's uh, not a believer and we often talk about spiritual things and then I kind of just know like he's, he's not into like what he knows I'm a pastor and he's like, come on, man, don't preach to me. So it's kind of this relationship where I kind of try to preach to him and he's like, no, don't preach to me, man. And so we, we, it's just that kind of fun relationship. But this week I told him, I'm gonna talk about how to enjoy life. And he was like, wait, are you serious? Like, that's the topic for the sermon, how to enjoy life? And and he said, what are you going to talk about? Maybe I'll listen to it. And I said, well, I I always have three points. And so I said, the first point is like, we're created to enjoy life, but we need to be careful of overindulging in worldly pleasure. And then I said, the third point will be going back. We believe as Christians that we're created by God to enjoy life. So when we align ourselves with God, like that's really how we find true joy. And he's like, well, that's, that's interesting. Like, maybe I'll listen. So, so if you're watching online you know who you are Praise God, praise God for all of you in here and those of you watching online. Let's get into this sermon. Turn to the book of Proverbs, if you have your Bibles. Proverbs chapter eight. We're gonna be looking at verse 22. And I'm gonna read uh, nine verses here, which is quite a bit, so I'll preface it. And I will ask you if you're able to stand with me for the reading of the word. So we're in Proverbs chapter eight. And this is um, like the personification of wisdom. So this wisdom is speaking about being created by God and how awesome it is. And then it's going to get down to what wisdom was doing. And spoiler alert, it's enjoying God and his creation. So wisdom is speaking right now. Verse 22 says, The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago. At the very beginning... When the world came to be, when there were no watery depths, I was given birth. When there was no springs overflowing with water, before the mountains were settled in its place, before the hills, I was given birth. So wisdom is speaking here. It's like, I was with the Lord. He created me, the first of his creations. And here's some more about um, this poem of creation and wisdom being there. Before he made the world or its fields or anything, the dust of the earth, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds and fixed securely the foundations of the deep, when he gave the sea its, its boundary. So waters could not overstep his command. And when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was constantly at his side. What was wisdom doing? Wisdom was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence. Verse 31, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind, Rejoicing, delighting, rejoicing. This is the ways of the Lord. We would say wisdom is like paralleling our lives with the Lord. And this is what wisdom looks like. Rejoicing, delighting, and rejoicing and delighting some more. Let's pray to him. Lord, we stand here lifting your name high. And Lord, we pray that we may be filled with this deep kind of joy and love. Lord, we, we want to be paralleled with your ways and find you and love you all the days of our lives. Though we praise you, we worship you, and all God's people shouted with joy. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Um, point one is this, uh, three-point sermon. Point one is we're meant to enjoy life. This sermon today is titled, How Do I dot, dot, dot. That's been the series all along. Every sermon has been called How Do I, dot, dot, dot. And we look in the book of Proverbs for certain lessons. We've talked about different things thus far. And today is How Do I, dot, 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 Enjoy Life. Like some of you may be looking at me like, like really? Like that's really, we kind of joked about that, but is that really the topic today? Like don't we have bigger fish to fry? Isn't there more serious business to talk about? Don't you, you might be sitting there like telling me like, don't you know the state of the world today? And, and don't we have better things to talk about? Well, as I see the world today, and maybe you see it like this today as well, that the world is unfortunately, And there's a lot of unhappiness out there. There's a lot of depression out there. There's a lot of struggling with mental health out there. There's a whole lot of fear, isolation. Like we're coming out of this year where we literally were isolated and and there was fear. And like we're coming out of that still. And rising suicide rates. I'm very sad to say that in our country, between the ages, young adults, between 15 and 25, the second leading cause of death Is suicide. Like this, this is the world in which we're living in disorders, eating disorders, obesity, overeating, stress, people addicted to things. And so, what if today's sermon is a reminder that we, as Christians, we actually have good news, that we actually have the joy amongst us, and that amongst us, like we can point to God and have real, true joy and show the world who Jesus is a God who gives joy? Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. I think the world, uh, I'm not talking about you guys, this sermon is not meant to rebuke New Life Ministries. I think we're a pretty joyous congregation. Where I, I look around, I know lots of you, and, and there's so much joy amongst us despite circumstances. But I think in our world today, in our nation, I think as non-Christians look at the Christian world, there's a lot of things that, like, I think non-Christians look at us and say, unfortunately, this, I think, is true. Unfortunately, this shouldn't be the case. But I think people are like, Christians are those mean people, those judgmental people, those sticks in the mud that have no fun, those people that, you know, they don't smoke or chew or drink or go with girls who... Do have you heard the silly saying? Those Christians, they're the ones that don't watch R-rated movies, they don't watch any movies, they don't they don't listen to secular music or any music, they don't dance. You know, that's the whole premise for footloose, and I like that movie. Those Christians, they're they're the ones that this they don't do this, they don't do that, they have no fun. The world sees us as people lacking. Joy, and that should not be, brothers and sisters. The leader, the, the one we worship, Jesus, he came to this world fully God, fully human, comes to this, to this world, and what is he known for? He's known for going to parties. He's known for the one who's like eating and drinking. And this was in direct contrast to the other religious leaders of the ancient world. They were the Essenes. They were the ascetics. They were the people, the monks and nuns who had no fun. They fasted. They lived in isolation all by themselves. And so people in the ancient world said, that's what a religious person looks like. And Jesus comes along, resetting the example for what it really means to have a life with God, one that enjoys life. And so maybe it, it's our hearts that are wrong. And when we look at Jesus um, in the ancient world, people said, oh, he's, he, he's not right because he's, he's not acting in line with these other religious people. But maybe our hearts are wrong and we need to understand what true joy really looks like. There's this uh, document. This comes from the 1600s. If you have any sort of Presbyterian background, you will know what this is: the Westminster Catechism. Anybody know what that is? Came out in the 1600s. It was the church. It's a really well-written uh, document to try to uh, bring people together. So here's what we believe. Here's a representation of the Bible and faith and who we are. And it starts off with this question: It says, "What is the chief end of humanity?" So it, it, it asks this question, then presents an answer. And the very first question of the very first page or the very first sentence is, what is the purpose of humanity? Why do we exist? And the answer, maybe some of you know this in the catechism, in this statement of belief representing the Bible and who Jesus is, it says that man's chief purpose end is to glorify God and to enjoy him Forever. This is what we're made for. This is what Christianity says that we're all about. We as humans exist to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Today's the 4th of July, right? Independence from another country. We were a colony. They were tyrannizing us and taxing us. And and most of you, because you went to elementary school, you you know the story. And a bunch of forefathers got together and said, well, we want to be independent of this nation terrorizing us, the England. We, we want to be separate. We want to be independent. And so 245 years ago, on this very day, this, this document was written up declaring our independence. And many of these forefathers, um, maybe all of them, had some sort of Christian Bible-based understanding of what a nation should look like under God. And it's it, it starts off, you all probably know the beginning lines of the Declaration of Independence because you memorized it in elementary school. It says, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and that they are endowed by their creator, like given by their creator, God. Certain unalienable rights, which in, in alien means, like we can't get rid of these things. Like they're, they're totally like for us from God. They're in unalienable rights that among them are life, liberty, liberty and, liberty and liberty. pursuit of happiness. Right? Like, this is what our nation was founded upon. Like, the the right to pursue happiness coming from, like, this idea that we are created of God, that we are built, we are made to actually enjoy life. And somewhere along the way, I think, as a nation, maybe we've forgotten bits of that, that to truly enjoy life and what that looks like. Somewhere along the way, I think our society has twisted it. And so even today, like, if you say the word pleasure, you're like, ooh ooh, that's that's evil, that's gross, that's something you shouldn't be doing, right? Like, but no, 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 no. This is good, to to live in joy, to live in delight, to live in pleasure, to rejoice. These are things of God. Turn to uh, Proverbs 24. I'll, I'll read this verse for you. It has to do with honey. So Proverbs 24, verse 13. And in the ancient world, honey, when Solomon is writing this, honey was like the sweetest thing you could get back then. There wasn't sugar, refined processes and things. And if you wanted something really sweet, if you had a sweet tooth, you ate Honey, that's, it's what they had. It's the sweetest thing around. So it's Proverbs 24, 13 says, eat it, eat honey. It says, eat honey, my son, for it is good. Like that's, like eat it. It really, truly, it's good. Honey from the comb is sweet to your taste. Know also that wisdom is like honey for you. If you find it, there's a future hope for you and your hope will not be cut off. So what do you do with the pleasures of this world that God has created? What are you supposed to do with Honey. Eat it, like this is a good, holy thing to enjoy God and his world. We are, point number one is this, that we're created to enjoy life. This is a good thing. Some of you might just need to hear that today. You might leave thinking like, yeah, I guess I needed to be reminded of that, that yes, the church really does have this message of joy to a world struggling and in darkness and isolation and depression, like we have joy amongst us. Point two is this, moving right along, is maybe what you've been thinking about all along. What about overindulgence? What about the worldly pleasures? Well, point number two, I've worded it here, that the overindulgence of worldly pleasures, it's dangerous. So let's go back to this honey thing, this food thing. I'm gonna stick on this food thing for a minute because it's something we can all talk about and kind of joke about. But really, this is a metaphor for all of life's pleasures and worldly things. So back to this honey thing, Proverbs 25, 16. So first we read, you know, if you find honey, eat it. But if you find honey, eat just enough, too much of it, and you will vomit. Like, that's what it says. We're saying the word vomit in church. Like... I have uh, four little boys, and I often use them in my sermon illustrations. Please. Pray for them. Um, <laughs> I have no idea how they're gonna grow up uh, being the pastor's son. But uh, Jay, who's now 10, when he was like two years old, I think it was like a second or third Christmas, when he ate, remember when he ate all those candy canes at the, so he goes to Christmas Eve service and he, we don't give him that much sugar. We try to feed them well. And he goes and he, at the Christmas Eve service, we have free candy canes and he went nuts. He kept going back in line and getting more. He's stealing them off people's seats and walking around, shoving them in his mouth. And of course, towards the end of the service, We had a mess on our hands. He threw up like six or seven candy canes all over the place. Too much and you will vomit. Like this is like a part of like finding pleasure, but too much and you will vomit. Like it's not good to have too much. Wait, it's... It's bad to have too much. Let me word that correctly. Here's another example. Like if you love cake and ice cream, who doesn't love cake and ice cream, right? We celebrate birthday parties. We eat cake and ice cream. But of course, like I'm talking metaphorically here. If we eat, all we ate was cake and ice cream, what would happen to us? Well, after a couple of weeks, like if this is really all you ate, you would be messed up. You would have digestive problems. You'd get diabetes. You'd be unhealthy. You'd be overweight. And, and so you'd be trading like that pleasure for all other things, and so what I'm saying to you here is, maybe we fast and dis- discipline some areas of our life so that we can have true joy in other places, like real joy compared to like fake, cheap, worldly thrills. And I'm talking about food here and these examples of, of overdoing it on candy canes and, and overdoing it on cake and ice cream. But I have a list here of like things like addictions to substances, self-medication. Uh, recreational use of something. Maybe it's just like being online, addiction to our phones, video games, social media, workaholism, addictions to lust. Like these are all things that can really end up trapping us. They might start off with some sort of joy and like enjoying the Lord, but then it leads to a trap and you find yourself addicted. You find yourself actually, life is being stolen from you. This thing that should have actually bring joy that's been created by the Lord, you're twisting it and how the world twists it and misses, uses something, and we find out that we are losing life instead of gaining life, losing joy instead of gaining joy. Here's a verse for you about moderation. Philippians 4, verse 4 says, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. Verse 5, let your moderation be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Godly, good Things can be used to excess and then twisted and misused, and we can find ourselves in a place of excess and losing joy from the very thing this creation that should have given us joy. I was reading, uh, uh as, as actually another pastor told me about this book, it's called Being Consumed. It's about, um, Um, like the marketing, the world we live in and the marketing programs and things. And he said in this book, there's an ad executive saying what marketing is. And he defines good marketing as the organized creation of dissatisfaction. So if we can become not happy with what we already have, if, if marketing can tell us to be dissatisfied well, then we'll want more and different, and more. And what's around the corner? The grass is always greener. And this actually steals our joy away. Another example from my kids. Continue to pray for them. I'm always using them in sermon illustrations. Uh, it has to do with Jay, again, he's our 10-year-old. Uh, years ago, he wanted something for was it Christmas or his birthday, the trash pack sewer dump with liquid ooze. There's the name of this toy, it sounds like the Red Rider BB gun with compass in the stock. He wanted the trash pack sewer dump with liquid ooze. And this toy that he had seen somewhere um, was like this thing that it was like a plastic ramp, and you poured uh, slime on it, and then it ran down. There's like this little guy that looked like a porta potty, and you put this Guy in there and then the slime ran down on him. And so as a little boy, he's like, this is awesome. I got to have one of these. And for like a year, he wanted a trash pack sewer dumped with liquid ooze. And he would tell people that he was going to get this. And the, the people would look at him and be like, son, what are you saying? You want trash? You want something out of a sewer? Who are your parents? Why don't they love you? What, what, what do you want? <laughs> but he wanted this thing. And he would watch YouTubes about it. He's like, dad, I want to see the YouTube again. And so like, he himself added one million views to this YouTube view of this video of just, just someone playing with this toy. And so that's all he wanted. He always talked about it. So finally we get him, was it Christmas or birthday? One of the two. Um, we get him this toy. He plays with it for maybe a grand total of 20 minutes that's it, 20 minutes. And I looked at it today. It's up on a shelf collecting dust. He plays with his toy for 20 minutes. like a whole year of wanting this thing. After 20 minutes, he's like, Dad, I want this new Lego Star Wars thing. I gotta have this new Lego. I was like, what? Like you've been asking for this thing for a full year. Isn't that just like all of us. Don't we just want something? We want it. And then we get it. And then we're like, oh, I want something else. I want the other thing that's around the corner. Here's a piece of advice for us, all of us, myself. Savor what God has already given you. This is a part of joy. Do not covet, but savor, savor what God has already given to you. Proverbs 23, 3 and 4 says this. Um, it says, Don't long for the rulers. Delicacies. Like, don't don't think about like what really rich people have and wanting what they have. Food. The food misleads. Don't wear yourself out trying to get and to get rich. Be smart enough to stop. Like, think about that. That's words of wisdom. Savor what you already have. Do not covet. Another proverb says it this way, Proverbs 5, 15, drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Consider that. Where else would you drink water? Well, somebody else has better water and and I got to go over there. They have better stuff, better water. No, no, no. Drink water from your own well. This is a metaphor for life and how we live and what we have. Uh, John Shellhammer, a a friend of mine and someone I look up to, he did the offering moment. He had this saying, I think he just said it as a joke, but I keep thinking about it. He said, if you lower your expectations, you'll always be happy. And I just thought, yeah, like you said it as a joke, but man, that is wise. That is like a modern day proverb. Lower your expectations, meaning like savor what you already have, count the blessings around you, be grateful, be thankful for what the Lord has already given you, there we can find joy. Let me give you a quote from a a theologian who lived a a long time ago in the 600s, his name is Maximus the Confessor, and um, he's someone I look up to, It's a theologian that I've, I've read a lot of, and he has all these, so he lived as someone who was an ascetic. He lived as someone who, a lifestyle of fasting, a lifestyle as a monk, and and yet he had so much joy. It was known about him that he had so much joy in his life. And he has this very famous quote about the things and the the misuse of them. He says that food is not evil. Of course it's not. We got to eat. Everyone has to eat, but. Gluttony is. Like, what a word for our world today. Childbearing, it's not evil. Of course not. I have four boys. So it's just childbearing. We have to, you know, multiply. And But fornication is sex outside of marriage. That is evil. Money, it's not evil. That's, that's how we go about business and buying and selling and working hard and, and getting a paycheck. Money's not evil. Evil, but avarice that means extreme greed. Of course, that is. That was the topic we, we, we mentioned last week and how that can lead to so many other evils. Glory is not evil. Being excited that you, you, you did something. The, the Lord is, is, you're grateful to the Lord for some gift you have and, and you won. Yes, glory is not evil, but vainglory. Vanity is what that means. Pride, selfishness, vainglory is. Indeed, there is no evil in the existing of things but only in their misuse. It's like we, we misuse something. We're, we're given something, and it, it's misused. It's over. It's, it's, we, that's all we do. It's all we can think about. We come, become a slave to this thing. Don't settle for the thrills of this world that will actually cost you more in joy later. Play the long game of patience, seeking true joy and the things that actually give you life. See, we as Christians, maybe we are to the outside world known as these people that don't do this, don't do that. But we, gosh, we don't force that on anybody. We, the world might see us doing, not doing things and, and refraining from things because we're fasting certain things in order to feast on the true joy that life has to offer us. So that's point number two. Um, so, I talked about joy being how we 're created we 're built for joy. I talked about the misuse and the overindulgence and worldly pleasure and now let 's go back to this last point, which is kind of returning to what I started talking about that true joy is found in God. True joy is found in God. See back in the the beginning, the story, this poem of creation, it's all its beauty, Adam and Eve and the garden. And did you know the, the, the Garden of Eden? Do you know that word Eden means pleasure? So it's like a garden of pleasure. The, it's awesome, it's, it's wonderful. And, and, and life was, was this, this poem of, of everything, the being in perfect unity and life and no work and all these pleasures and all these fruits and God was there and you could walk with God and talk with God through the cool of the day. And how awesome that must have been and yet sin into the world. Humanity ran away from God. And what did God do? Well, God came running right after Adam and Eve. Where are you looking for them? And what did they do? They hid themselves in shame and they ran further away. And that's where we find ourselves in humanity. Like we've run away from God. We've run away from true joy and pleasure and rejoicing. And where's the Lord? Well, he's running after us, bringing us to himself, but our hearts are restless until they find rest in the Lord. Here's a famous quote from St. Augustine or Augustine, depending on how you pronounce it. He's talking to the Lord. You have made us for yourself, Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds rest in you. I've heard this translated a different way, that there's a God-shaped hole in our hearts. Maybe you've heard this saying, that only God can fill, like a puzzle piece missing from our lives. And we try to put things in that with the, the things of this world, but truly we find rest and joy and rejoicing only when that perfect puzzle piece, who is God, fits into our hearts. I'm gonna shift the sermon uh, just a a little bit. Some of you will follow right along with me um, that our God is the type of God who gives. He is selfless. He's not selfish. He's selfless. Our God is the God who died on the cross. That's why we have a cross in the center of our room reminding us that that's where God died. He gave his life for us. And so we, when we align ourselves with who God is, if, if joy truly comes from God and alignment of his ways, well, then our ways should be selfless. See, I think a lot of people think that I'll be happy once I get and I consume and I get this or that, but really true joy is about selflessness, giving. Think about someone at the end of their life looking back and they're, and they're full of joy and you're like, how do you have so much joy in your life? Where, you know, what, what, what was your life like? They probably don't mention the things that they bought or the things that they consumed. They probably mention, like, I'm so glad that I made the world better, that I had friends and family. I'm so glad that I, I gave this and that away because that's where I found the most joy. The verse, it's more blessed to give than to receive Makes a whole lot of sense. So true joy, the joy that is really good news, is the kind of joy that we get when we're selfless. I want to read a scripture here. This has to do with um, Jesus dying on the cross and the joy that was there. And you might think that how is that? <clears throat> Excuse me, how is that possible? Jesus dying on the cross, this horrible, shameful death, and joy being a part of that. Well. It's a part of that because Jesus is giving us his life. So Hebrews chapter 12 in the New Testament says that we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, meaning like the people who've gone before, the angels, the world, God's creation. We're surrounded by this cloud of, of, <clears throat> of beauty. <clears throat> he says, let us throw off everything that hinders, the sin that so easy entangles, And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith. For the joy, it says, for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. And it says he sat down at the right hand of the Father enthroned. For the joy set before him, he laid that down and and was hung on a cross and and endured the death and endured shame, God himself dying for us. Why? Well, for, for joy set before him that he could selflessly give to us, that we could receive it, that we could receive a blessing so that we can be a blessing in this world today. So I invite you, would you bow your heads with me? Would you pray as we consider this message? The band can come up. They're gonna lead us in one last song, Be Thou My Vision. And Lord, we we pray to you now, Lord, we say that you are our vision. You are the vision of what true joy looks like, that you, Jesus, are the one, the author, the perfecter of our faith, and that you, Jesus, died for our sins. You, you, You did this for joy so that you can selflessly give your life. And so we receive it, Lord. We receive your joy We as the church, Lord, we want to be a blessing to this world around us, to bring true joy, to rejoice, to bring um, just your world of of creation, the pleasure, the the joy you've given to us. So, Lord, we honor you with our lives. We praise you. And now, Lord, we receive from your table this feast, this joy that, that you have given to remind us of your death on the cross. So we pray and thank you for these things, Lord, in your name. Amen.